I, you know, I can remember kind of standing in front of the much smaller group at that time and, you know, making those words come out. Here's what we're going to do. Uh-huh. 10 by 2. 10 uh-huh. million gross revenues by the end of 2002. Which I'm sure and, a lot of people didn't think was possible. No, no. I mean, did I, I don't even know if I thought it was possible, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I mean. It's time! Work! Play! I want to connect the listeners to the best of the best. Welcome to the Evolve Broker Podcast, coming to you on the first and third Mondays of every month. I am your host, Pat Costello, the co-founder and principal at Evolve MGA. Our mission for the podcast is to bring the insurance industry the best of the best. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with the CEO of one of the largest insurance agencies in the U.S. My guest today is Mike Ross, the CEO of Insurica, based out of Oklahoma City. For 2021, Insurance Journal lists Insurica at number 24 on the list of the largest insurance agencies in the country. They are a family-owned business with about 600 employees and 33 offices located throughout Oklahoma, Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Florida, Mississippi, and Texas. They plan to achieve $225 million in revenue by 2025. Mike graduated from Oklahoma Baptist University and has been the CEO of Insurica for 20 years. Since he took the business over, he has grown it from $6 million in revenue to $125 million in revenue. He was recently featured on the cover of Insurance Journal. In our conversation, we discussed Mike's personal background, his journey to become the leader of Insurica, his strategies for leadership, company culture, the future of Insurica, and advice for new employees. Please download, subscribe, and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. And feel free to reach out to me at pat at evolvedbrokerpodcast.com with any comments or suggestions for the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by First Insurance Funding. First is the leading premium finance company in insurance and is known throughout the industry for their personalized service and quote flexibility. If you're tired of sending quote requests for smaller premiums to multiple companies, not leaving enough time to negotiate larger opportunities, then choose First as your primary financing source and experience the first difference today. Without further ado, here's Mike. Mike Ross, welcome to the Evolved Broker Podcast. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you. I got to say the first thing when I heard your name, Mike, uh, was I thought of the show Suits. <laughs> I've been told that before. Have you got that before? Did, have you watched <laughs> yes, I it? I have. I have not. I have not. I. Uh, it's one of those I want to, but just you know, got several others lined up before that one. It's it's entertaining, I will say. It's, That's what uh, I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike Ross, that character, he <laughs> he did not go to law school, but he was he's like a genius, and he takes the bar exam for people, and then he, you know all this controversy with him joining this law firm. So when you get a chance. <laughs> I'll do that. I, I, you're, you're not the first person to remind <laughs> me of that. <laughs> well, Mike, my goal for the podcast today is to learn a little bit more about your personal background. I'd like to learn about how you scaled Insurica to become the CEO. And then I'd love to talk about what you think about Insurica today, the company culture, your vision for the future, any advice you give to an employee, and then kind of end with your thoughts on the future of the insurance industry, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Let's jump into your personal background. Did you grow up in Oklahoma City? Yes, I I was born in uh, Weatherford, Texas, and uh, lived uh, in San Antonio, uh, and then moved to Oklahoma when I was Oh, elementary school and grew up in Oklahoma City uh, from uh, third grade on, I believe. Oh, yep. cool. Cool. Did you have any siblings growing up? Two uh, younger brothers that both still live in Oklahoma City. Neither of them are in the insurance business. Uh, okay. one's, in the, one's in the medical area and uh, he does 
he he owns a company that does uh, medical billings for uh, clinics and doctors' offices, and so uh, he and I have an ongoing uh, feud about how how that whole business operates. But we have a lot of fun together. What is life like growing up in Oklahoma City? I'm I'm like a naive Californian where I've only I grew up in the Bay Area and then I went to college in Los Angeles, so. I don't have a lot of insight into what it's like growing up in the Oklahoma City. I would love to hear your thoughts. Well, um, I I do have the opportunity to travel around a lot, and you know we have offices throughout uh, kind of the region, all the way over in Central California. So um, I I do have the experience of of. Uh, visiting and and spending time in a lot of other places and i always enjoy coming back to Oklahoma city um you know it's um it, it you know, the the city itself the metropolitan area is a little over a million population so we we have the cisco but we have the benefits of um you know being a large populace but it's still a very um small town in many regards uh you know i think folks hear about this but uh very friendly um very uh welcoming and um there there's not a lot of interference that that comes from uh outside forces uh you know we have a lot of freedom to um do the things we want to very strong entrepreneurial spirit uh, that's always existed and continues to kind of drive the the growth and the uh, advancement of Oklahoma City. Um, a lot of good things going on. Growing up, it was um, I'm a Baptist preacher's kid, so had that had that experience of uh, uh, growing up as a PK, and um, you know, uh, just still very involved in the community a lot of uh childhood friends that are still friends today and family is close by so um you know if you, it was probably before your time but uh, uh you think of the show like leave it to beaver you know it, <laughs> it, 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 yeah. it, it's kind of been that way I've, I've been very very fortunate very blessed in in regard to just having um you know, not a lot, of, not a lot of moving around, and uh, not a lot of turmoil growing up. Pretty, uh-huh. pretty uh, wonderful childhood. Were you fans of any major sports teams growing up, or did you play any sports or have any hobbies? Yeah, I um, uh, have have played really all the major sports. Um, by the time I. Uh, you know, got into the later years of, of high school, I focused on football. And uh, unfortunately, I wasn't that good, and our team was even worse. So uh, my dream of going on and, and playing for the, the Oklahoma Sooners did not, did not come true. Uh, grew up and still am a very big OU fan. And of course, the past uh, several years, we've welcomed the Oklahoma City Thunder, the NBA team, right. and we, um, we are the proud broker of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and so we support them heavily and have a suite and do a lot of things uh, in association with the Thunder. So I'm, I'm a big, I've become a big NBA fan as a result of that. Oh, cool! The the Thunder have been really exciting to watch over the last few years. You know, what's funny is. When I was growing up, the mascot of the Golden State Warriors was Thunder. His name was Thunder. He was like a blue oh, yeah. muscle guy with like a lightning bolt on his head. And, you know, he'd be jumping off trampolines at halftime and stuff like that. But once the uh, Seattle Supersonics became the Oklahoma City Thunder, we shelved Thunder as a mascot, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. There, uh, that 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 uh, upset a lot of folks in uh, in Seattle, and I understand that was. But it's been quite a coup for Oklahoma City. It really is. Yeah. You know, the team's struggling right now, but man, we've had some we've had some great times over the past 
10, 15 years. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely some exciting years there. How did you decide on Oklahoma Baptist university? Uh, you know, my, uh, my parents went there. And so growing up, I, uh, was, was exposed to it and we would go to different functions and sporting events and that sort of thing. It's a very small liberal arts school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, it, you know, I, I really, it, it was just one of those things I, uh, actually started my freshman year at a small uh, junior college, uh, not certain what I was going to do with my life. Um, I really had put a lot into thinking I would be a football player and go to college and, and play play ball. And I was recruited by some small, you know, NAIA Division II kind of opportunities and well, yeah, it's the well, last second. Mike, I did not. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. What what position did you play? Well, I played uh, I played receiver my uh, freshman, sophomore, junior year, and then drafted into quarterback my senior year because our starting quarterback blew out his knee, and I I was the only one that <laughs> could. Uh, uh, perhaps throw the ball a little bit and enjoyed it and, cool. you know, really, but had I gone on to uh, play college ball, it would not have been as quarterback. It would have been as a receiver, mm-hmm. maybe some defensive back. And, um, so it, it just developed into a pretty natural decision. Uh, I was very familiar with it and had friends that were already attending there when I went my uh, sophomore year. Nice. I had this a very similar experience. Both my parents went to Loyola Marymount University, yeah. smaller school in LA. And so I was exposed to it all the time growing up. And we had a lot of folklore with the basketball team and Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball. And so when I got to um, the time to decide, I was it was a pretty easy decision because they had just revamped the whole campuses by the beach. And so really no complaints going there at all. Um, so when you're at Oklahoma Baptist University, what did you study when you were there? Uh, business uh, with an emphasis on marketing, and um, you know, not not probably anybody you talk to that's in our business. Very few uh, know that they will end up in the insurance business. But I certainly, when I was in college, did not foresee that, did not project that in any way. I thought I'd be an advertising executive. You know, that that was kind of in my mind, you know, what what fit best and uh considered getting into the <laughs> you talked about the suits show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. At, at at one time thought about, you know, pre-law and 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 pursuing a law degree, but but um always had a leaning towards uh, you know, marketing and uh, there's the, the creative part of that and so um, that that was my emphasis was marketing, um, and then uh, my senior year, I, I got uh, married, still married to the same woman uh, between my junior and senior year of wow. uh, college, and so she had a she had a pretty good job and was uh, able to support me, and so the plan was that I would go on and pursue an MBA after my, after graduating from, uh, college and, um, spring break, I believe it was my senior year. You know, I had not sent out any resumes, hadn't, hadn't done anything. This is back in 1983. The job market was completely different then than it is now. Um, it was quite challenging, at least in the Oklahoma area to find you know, to find work, we're going through the uh, oil bust and, and, you know, the economy was pretty weak. And um, so I, 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 I sought out during spring break to get enrolled in, um, in graduate school and quickly discovered that the way things were set up then is uh, most of it would be night school and it wasn't something I could go in and knock out in a year, you know, just pour everything into it. It was going to take some time. And so I thought, man, that's, you know, I might as well 
I might as well get a job and, and do the graduates. I can do that at, at, at nights anyway. Uh-huh. And so kind of got late into the uh, job search process and um, had a friend that um, I ended up working with here for many years, but had a friend that uh, kind of took me under her wing and, and she um, introduced me to and helped open the door for me to get an interview with the Travelers Insurance Company. Um, I actually, when I would tell friends about it, because I was a little bit embarrassed about insurance at the time, I said, well, it's Travelers Indemnity Company. You know, the indemnity <laughs> made it sound a little yeah, more a little sexier. Uh, professional. Yeah. 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 So um, I, I interviewed with them and uh, they offered me a, a, a job. I think my starting pay was $16,000 and the promise of a company car down the road. And it was in the personal lines uh, marketing, uh, underwriting marketing area so um really took that job because it was um it was the best thing available at the time i really had no um burning desire at that point in time to be in the insurance business um but that that kind of set me on the path Mm -hmm. and um stayed with them a couple years and one of the um, one of the agencies that I worked with was Insurica. Uh-huh. And of course, the, the lady that had helped me get me uh, with the opportunity with, with Travelers um, subsequently uh, helped open the door and uh, contacted me about coming over and interviewing uh, for a producer position at Insurica. We were under a different name then, but I'll, I'll just continue to refer to it as Insurica. Right. And um, so, um, you know, that that evolved, and yeah. um, I, I so knew Mike, that I wanted to be in sales. So on, on your – it's actually shockingly similar to my experience coming out of college and just wanting to be able to afford to live in San Francisco, and my first job was with Ace, and I did a similar two- to three-year stint – was there any major learning lessons that you took away from that experience with travelers about the carrier side of the industry or about, um, you know, being associated with a huge company um, or any mentors or any major learning lessons you took from those first couple of years in the insurance industry? That's a great question. And uh, yes, uh, clearly there were. I um it was really my first exposure to kind of the corporate world. And um, I quickly, quickly realized that um, regardless of, uh, uh, you know, how well I did in college, I didn't know anything. <laughs> and um, that um, I, you know, I, I, I was mentored um by an individual who was a real student of the game and um, really encouraged me uh, to, uh, you know, if I wanted to make a career out of this business, that I couldn't sit still. I needed to continually be on a, a, you know, a, a learning path and it would never stop. And I, you know, I saw examples of both sides. I saw the, uh, being at a big company, you're always going to see the folks that kind of mail it in every day. And, you know, that I saw that, but I also saw the other side of the folks who were really driven and really committed to what they were doing and um, had a passion for what they were doing. And that, that was helpful to me at that point in time. Very helpful. Now, was that first mentor, was that the, the woman that helped you get the job at Travelers or was that somebody else? And if it was somebody else, how did you find that person? It it was somebody else. Um, the the woman that that helped me in the beginning had, uh, did serve as a mentor, but it was really after I came here and joined this firm. But um, the person that helped me at Travelers was my um, kind of two levels up, 
you know, I called him Mr. Brady and, uh, he's no, he's no longer alive, but, um, he, uh, really, uh, made an investment in me and it, nobody told him to, he just, that, that's who he was and made a point to, um, you know, spend time with me and take me under his wing and let me see what his job was like and let me kind of understand the bigger picture of what we were, what we were trying to do. And, uh, you know, I'll always appreciate that. He, he, he was, uh, I, I probably learned more about just business etiquette and, um, you know, work life and not so much about insurance. Um, you know, more about just what's it like to be a, a, a professional and, you know, to be a student of the game. That's amazing. How valuable. And then it sounds like you kind of got the itch to be on the production side of things. Was it the fact that you wanted to control your own destiny uh, that brought you over to the um, agency side of things? Well, so uh, my job for two years at Travelers was working with the agencies that had contracts with Travelers. And it, you know, uh, it didn't take long to see that um, the work they were doing seemed to be more. Uh, the, there was certainly this element of freedom <laughs> and and uh, the ability to um, you know get paid for what you do. Um, and I, I I was very um, attracted to this idea of of, uh, you know, the relationships that they were developing with their clients. And I could see that they were, um, you know, we use, we throw the term around, but I could see it even early on. They were trusted advisors. They, they were, they had very meaningful, uh, important relationships with business owners and, and, uh, the CEOs of businesses. And that, it was very appealing to me as compared to, you know, uh, I learned a lot from travelers, great company. We still do a lot of business with them, but it, it was, you know, it was just more of a, uh, big company environment. You take one step up the ladder and hope you get noticed to get another opportunity. And, and I just, certainly was much more attracted to the to the freedom and the ability to you know in, invest in myself and and uh, the the entrepreneurial side of things you made that move in 1985 i believe yep and you've been with insurica or the company that um changed yep. its name to insurica ever since and obviously now you are the CEO and you've been the CEO for a significant amount of time. Can you tell me about how you scaled the organization or and even helped grow the organization to where it is now in your personal journey from being in a production role to being in a more um, management oriented or executive level role? Yeah. Um, so when I, when I started in 1985, um, had you know started at at ground zero as far as a, a producer, uh, focusing on the commercial PNC side, um, and really my my focus uh, very early on was to uh, you know become as successful as I could be on the production side. So um, I worked, you know, very hard at, at, at bringing in new business and growing the book and uh, was able to do that and uh, um, have some accounts now, even today. I still have some business as a producer. I have a lot of help with it, and I'm, I'm not in a full-time production role by any means. But uh, some of those accounts that I picked up early on are still uh, you know, we still have them as, as accounts. That's impressive. But, um, I, um, you know, I, I, I just, it, it, I didn't, I didn't step into that job with this idea that one day I would be the CEO. 
um, it was more of a, you know, one day at a time, one month at a time and, and, and make it had a young family and kids at home. And, um, you know, it, it, it was a struggle early on. It really was. Um, but I, that's when the mentoring of, uh, uh, not only the lady's name I've been referring to is Lena, and uh, Lena was very helpful. She um, encouraged me. Yeah, you know, I keep, kind of keep going back to this idea of being a student of the game, but it, it really, I think it's a good characterization of of what I observed and what I've tried to follow um, through my career is that you just can't sit still, and so I. Um, very soon after joining, um, uh, made the commitment that I was going to go after obtaining a, the CPCU designation. Not that that's any kind of magic pill for success, but the um, discipline and the, um, the effort that that required really uh, helped me along the way. So um, it you know, I, I I progressed as a producer um, until the oh, early 90s, and mm-hmm. opportunity developed um, w- for me to to add, not not um, you know give up the production, but to add to my responsibilities a newly developed position that we call business development director, and that. So that kind of like a sales development, sales management, and then that move from that, you know, I'm in my um, at that time mid 30s, and that uh, then developed into a uh, taking on the sales management of of the organization. We were not nearly the size then that we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, then um, that. Uh, doors just continued to open along the way. We had the, the president of the, of the firm who had been the first employee. We started in 1959 and, uh, this, the, the, the president from 1959 till, uh, like 1995 guy named Gene McCrory. Um, he had announced his, uh, retirement. And so, um, there, the, the, the board brought in an outside, um, consultant to help, you know, do a, go through a selection process and they look both inside and outside. Well, I was way too young and and not nearly, uh, experienced enough to even consider it, but I was asked to go through the process, you know, Throw your name in a hat, meet with a consultant, um, you know, go through the interview process, which I did, knowing uh, th- there was no way. Yeah. And, and, and how, how indeed, old were you, Mike? Your mid thirties? Um, I would have been thirty three at the time, okay. thirty four. Okay. Um, and so I I went through that process, and it it was really um, the good thing is I never I didn't go in with my hopes up. That, that I would be the the one selected, and and I wasn't at the time. Um, but going through the process uh, enabled me to to have a better understanding of you know if I'm going to go that path, if I'm if I'm going to move into a, a, a bigger leadership role, there's a lot that I need to really work on, and um, a lot that I need to um, develop within my within myself, and so. Um, the, uh, we hired uh, an outside person that that came in as the new CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, tremendous marketing person that I've uh, still very good friends yeah. with. Hey, um, Mike, when, when you were going through that process and you had those kind of learning moments of what you needed to improve, what were some of those things that were like, you know, what I need to get better at this, or you know, I need to study up here or there, or Maybe I need to uh, speak to this person to get their um, insight into how I could do this better. Was there any specific uh, categories that you were looking to improve in? Yeah, I, uh, um, 
I don't know that I would at that point in time have been able to like categorize them, but um, you know, the, the biggest thing was um, just um, uh, decision-making and um, recognizing that it's not all about me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had been in this production role and very focused on, uh, you know, building up my book of business totally. and, and, and all that. And, uh, recognizing that moving into a position like that was, uh, you know, much more, um, encompassing of, of the organization and more strategic, um, you know, the, the ability to, um, think in visionary, uh, uh, concepts and in a, in a visionary way, instead of, you know, what am I going to do tomorrow? Being able to look out, see the organization, where are we going to go five years, 10 years, and, and how are we going to bring the pieces in? I, you know, I, I'd never really thought in those concepts and, um, sitting through the going through the interviews and being asked questions that related back to that, you know, and stumbling through trying to answer them <laughs> made me realize, man, I, you know, there, I, I need to up my game. I need to, I need to think bigger and okay. need to, uh, have the ability to do that. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So you go through that process and then you understand there's some areas that you can improve and what happens from there? Um, did you stick with that production role or did you move it early? I, 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 excuse me, that sales management role with some production or how did you progress to actually getting that president or CEO title? So the, um, the individual that was hired as our CEO, um, he, he came in and, um, he was a, uh, he was a visionary, um, not not as strong as as on the uh, execution side. So uh, a, a lot of great ideas and and uh, brilliant brilliant person. But um, quickly, what I noticed and was involved in was that we were, um, you know we were creating a lot of new ideas and opportunities, but had a lot of plates in the air, but some of them were falling. <laughs> we just didn't have enough hands on deck to be able, and we kind of lost our, lost our, uh, focus on, on, you know, blocking and tackling on mm-hmm. the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I moved into, um, uh, uh, kind of, a. uh, with the sales management, also uh, kind of the um, executive vice president kind of role, uh, number two kind of role. And, um, but, you know, we went through a tough period and that this was from 95 to 98, uh, that three-year period. Um, it, it just, it didn't work uh, with our new CEO and um we were um uh, it, it had gotten to a point where we were um losing money on the profitability side and our revenues were not growing as as they should be and so the uh, you know it's a mutual decision that the new ceo left and so um our the majority owner um, of, of our company reached out to me and said, you know, we, we, uh, we still want, and I'll, a little bit of background here, the majority owner, um, we're part of an ownership group that has insurance company, American Fidelity Insurance Company, some banks and real estate. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty broad financial, uh, company when you throw it all together the beauty is is that each each of the companies operate independently and um so anyway they uh, reached out to me and um said you know we 
despite the challenges that we've been going through, we want to remain in this space. We believe that we've got the core to be able to do it, but, um, you know, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough turnaround. Mm -hmm. And, um, we'd like for you to, we'd like for you to step in and take, take on that responsibility. So, um, you know, I was, that was 1998. I was 37, 38 years old at the time. And, um, and it, it, it was, and I look back on it, you know, the, uh, many of the, many of the people that had, had been my mentors and, uh, and or my manager or boss, you know, now I'm in that position and, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it was definitely frightening and, and, you know, very eye opening. But, um, so, uh, w- what we did, uh, there, there was another, um, uh, individual that was the number two guy with me, a guy named Gary Jarman. And uh, Gary and I, uh, along with a couple of other individuals, uh, pretty quickly sat down and said, you know, what, what are we going to do? <laughs> here, here, here we are. We're not growing. We're losing money. Um, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah. We, at, the, at the time, we were about $6.5 in revenue and um, uh, had had lost several hundred thousand dollars at the bottom line uh, that previous year. Mm-hmm. And Mike, so, just so the audience yeah. knows, today you guys are around 125 million in revenue. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll finish this year about 140. Okay, so we we wow. had a good year. Yeah, I just want people so, to know where 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 the trajectory is going. Continue. Yeah, and and you know a key part of the kind of the story that that started then in in 1998 and has carried forward um so we we get together have this uh little retreat about you know what we're going to do how we're going to turn this around and it, it 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 was not brain surgery it was not anything super profound but uh we said we're going to get back to the fundamentals you know the the things that we know to do we're we're a, we're a PNC an employee benefits broker. Uh, we have been chasing a lot of things that were you know outside that path. So uh, we're we're going to eliminate all these distractions and get back to the basics. And um, we came out with this crazy idea. Now six and a half million in revenue had not been growing, and we came out. Uh, had posters put together and mouse pads and all this 10 by two, 10 by two. And, um, you know, the, the whole mantra was 10 million by the end of 2002. We wouldn't give ourselves all the way to the end of 2002. Mm-hmm. So almost doubling, not quite, but almost doubling at, at a point where we were not growing. And, um, I, you know, I can remember kind of standing in front of the much smaller group at that time and, you know, making those words come out. Here's what we're going to do. Uh-huh. 10 by two, uh-huh. 10 million gross revenues by the end of 2002. Which I'm sure and, a lot of people didn't think was possible. No, no. I mean, did I, I don't even know if I thought it was possible, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, but, um, I, I just, we we needed uh we needed a boost of energy yeah. we needed something yeah. to shoot Good for goal. yeah and we um you know good things started happening we we also at that time and a lot of credit goes back to our ownership group because we had their support but we also at that time um decided we were going to really start looking at some acquisition opportunities and um and so that was 98 in 1999, we acquired a, a, a firm in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, so the combination of the acquisitions and getting back to basics and, and growing 
we hit the uh, 10 million number in the year 2000. So we hit it two years early. That's amazing. And, um, and so, um, you know, if it's not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So we came out with uh, 20 by five. That uh-huh. was the new mantra. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to go from 10 million to 20 million by 2005. And, um, uh, you know, just continued to look for opportunities to expand through acquisition and organic growth, uh, you know, uh, focusing on yeah. both. Hey, Mike, when you're acquiring these agencies, I got to imagine one of the toughest things is integrating two separate and potentially very different cultures. So like the agency in Tulsa, Oklahoma, did you have any strategy about cultural integration? Um, we, we, we definitely do now. Okay. Um, I, I didn't know what I didn't know then. And, um, so, uh, we, we learned a lot in the, the first few deals that we did, but, um, if, if, you know, when we sit down with a, uh, potential acquiree now, whether it's a, a fold into one of our existing offices or a standalone acquisition, that is the number one thing on the list is culture. It, it, it's got to be a fit. And, um, you know, now have we, have we batted a thousand? No, we have not. Um, the, the, but we've learned and, mm. and, um, the, the few, the few mistakes we've made in terms of culture, um, have been great, great teaching lessons that we've been able to apply on a go forward basis. So now, um, you know, uh, it, I mean, of course, it's it's an extremely competitive market out in the acquisition area, as you know, right now, and so things are changing rapidly. But um, we may have, you know, twenty quote unquote opportunities that come our way, and um, you know, there may be only two or three of those that would fit if if we were able to get the deal done. Mm-hmm. Uh, amidst com- the the competition, but um, you know our our um, acquisition model has always been a little bit unique um, and still remains that way. We are uh, number one looking at culture, but number two, it's our desire um, that we don't buy one hundred percent. We are looking for. Uh, firms that are already very well run and um, have strong leadership on the ground and they want to grow, they want to expand. And so we will, and it varies, but generally speaking, we will buy 70, 80% uh, of that firm and uh, with the expectation that the, the leaders of that firm um, both current and future will have opportunity for that, you know, 20, 25% minority ownership and they'll retain that. And it, it, uh, it's just proven to be a very good model for us because we, um, learned real quickly. I, this works for some, but not for us. We do not look for um, situations where someone is, uh, you know, retiring and ready to cash in their chips and just hand the keys to us and let us take that. That's not for us. Mm -hmm. Um, the truthfully, the, the, the best talent that we've picked up over these past 20 years has been through these partnerships, through these acquisitions. And uh, many, many within our leadership team right now have come to us through. Uh, we didn't hire them. We 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 bought their firms. Mm. And um, so, anyway, that that's that's a real key to our um, to our model, mm-hmm. and it it helps with the culture part of that because, um, you know, I've, I've I've just learned that that if we're all pulling from the same end of the rope and, you know, the minority owner has certainly has a vested interest, then, um, it's amazing how, 
how well we collaborate, work together. Um, you know, we, uh, I, I've, I, I often describe it as um, we talk a lot about community culture here. You know, that's mm-hmm. the Insurica mm-hmm. community, and um, the 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 vision piece behind that is if you picture in pretty much every city there are going to be those highly desirable communities that people want to live in you know where the yards are taken care of and uh, um, you know that they're going to have bylaws that are pretty strict but but it, it is it is a an exclusive desirable place to live um, houses appreciate and value people take care of what they have but as you drive through the community, one street's not necessarily going to look like the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the houses are each going to have their own unique um, look and feel to them. Um, that's, what, that's what we're after, is building this community that um, um, people want to work in, clients want to operate within, um, that we, we have high standards that we operate by, but um, it's not a cookie cutter thing. It, each street's going to have its own personality, its own look within the overall community, and so that—that's uh, the, the kind of culture we're trying mm-hmm. to drive for. Mm-hmm. Mike, I'm sure with so many years as a leader of the organization, you've had a lot of learning experiences, and you've probably been able to distill your focus as a leader. Um, down to um, a few major points. I mean, is there is there a way that you think about your leadership today in terms of what you're focusing on when you go into a new year or when you are coming into the office every day? Do you have priorities or do you have main areas of focus to lead in Shurika? Oh man, that's a that's a loaded question. There, <laughs> it's a great, great, great question. That I, um, I I do. Um, and, and certainly that has, has shifted over the years. So, you know, I'm, um, I'll turn 61 next month or in March and, um, it's it's still hard to believe I'm saying that, but that's the truth (laughs) it is what it is. And so, you know, now I'm, I'm reaching the point where, um, I, I need to think about, you know, how do I, um, how do I prepare for the transitions that will be coming down mm-hmm. the road? Mm-hmm. Um, I may work another 10, 15 years. I may, I may not, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, you know, that that's not determined, but my focus right now, uh, more so than it has been in, in past years is, um, you know, investing in people, investing in our leadership team, uh, making sure, you know, the old saying, leave it better than you found it. Um, I want to be sure that we are prepared because we're all businesses are going through this. But um, if you look at us at, at Insurica, we're, we're going to like many other businesses, we're going to go through some significant change over the next few years. And, and my focus is um, being prepared, embracing this, uh, using it as an advantage um, as we move forward, not to run from it. Um, so I, I'm spending a lot more time on, um, strategic, uh, um, people investing, um, things than maybe I have in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I am also, you know, we, as an organization, you mentioned earlier, um, that, you know, we're going to finish around 140 million in revenue it's not all about the the numbers, but we we've just had a track record of of setting these goals and going after them. Um, last year, um, twenty twenty, we finished around one hundred twenty five million in revenue, and uh, at the beginning of of twenty one, we came out with our new mantra, which is two twenty five by twenty five, and that is to grow basically double um, um, That's you know, outstanding. in the next five years. So we have a lot of things going on uh, related to, you know, b- 
both on the organic growth side, the acquisition growth side, and I keep on pushing, pushing those and pulling those levers as much as I can. You mentioned some dramatic changes that you think the industry uh, or potentially just the uh, retail insurance brokerage model might face in the coming years. What changes do you expect to hit a business like Insurica? Uh, well, what, what we're already seeing and um, really um, kind of working within, um, you know, I'm gonna, I'll call it the Amazon effect. Um, uh, the, the, the customer of today, uh, we need to be prepared to deal with them on their terms. You know, the old uh, kind of archaic um, way that, that insurance has been transacted over the years, that the customer pretty much has to do it by our rules. <laughs> and, um, you know, whether you talk about how we bill them, how we provide them information, how we communicate with them, whatever it might be, they're, they're just, we've never really focused on providing the customer um, the options they would want. Well, uh, you know, we're, my wife and I are power users on Amazon. I mean, we're having something delivered every day and it's an amazing, amazing thing. Uh, I see this impacting not just the insurance business, but business as a whole. We're already seeing it. And so um, one of the things that we, we've been uh, focused on working on for, for now for the last three or four years is this, um, uh, there's actually a graphic, but um, kind of humology scale um, that, that on the, on the far uh, one side is the kind of the old human uh, uh, interaction that we still have customers that they, they don't want to be communicated with by text and email. They want you to come out and visit with them. They want you to deliver the old fashioned oh, policies yeah. in the book, all that kind of stuff. But then we have the customers who they don't want that. They want the kind of Amazon online experience. And um, historically, our business has been, well, we know what you want, but this is how we have to do it, you know? And so, we are um, uh, building uh, for ourselves and for our customers mechanisms that allow us to deal with the customer on all parts of that spectrum. So we have a uh, we have a digital uh, division that uh, it's about 10 million in revenue right now and uh, really focused on uh, small business, both on the PNC and the employee benefits area. Some of this has come through acquisition, but um, we have about, I don't know, 50, 60 people that it's a um, very high tech, uh, modern environment, and um, everything is transacted online. And uh, we're, you know, we're buying leads, we're, we're in that whole ecosystem of, of interacting, you know, through um, uh, Google optimization and through uh, online leads and, and, um, and what we've seen that started out predominantly to, to work with the, the very small business owners, you know, that may spend thousand dollars a year on their insurance and, and uh, we've seen dramatic, dramatic uh, raising of the bar there, and and uh, we've we've seen some clients come to us that way that are in the six figures, you know, spending one hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollars a year on their on their PNC insurance, and they want to operate in that kind of method. So, um, I the, that's the biggest change I see is that. Um, customer expectations, um, customer demands are um, going to drive us to um, figure out new, improved ways of of, uh, of providing our services. 
Mm-hmm. And you would like it or not, we better be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. If I was a person that was thinking of joining Insurica, how would you describe Insurica's company culture today? And what advice would you give me if I was a brand new employee? Um, I, I would describe the culture, um, you know, I've, I've already mentioned the community uh, aspect. Um, we, we have a lot of C's that go with this, the, the letter C, but it's very collaborative. Um, you know, we have, we have over 30 branches throughout our, our community. And um, it's six or seven different states. Uh, but despite that, we have uh, daily, ongoing daily, we have people from different offices working together. Um, we are um, somewhat organized uh, through, through practice verticals. We have 14 um, industry verticals that we're uh, focused on. We, we do business outside those verticals, obviously, but, um, um, the, the, the most prominent of those, you know, construction, healthcare, education, we have, uh, teams that may exist among four or five different offices that will come together, um, working on an account or an opportunity or a program. So, um, Unlike what I see with other, um, you know, regional or national brokers, uh, we we really have a very open, collaborative environment. Um, uh, uh, the, the other thing, and I'm, you know, it's one of the things I'm just extremely proud of, um, because you know we're, we're a member of Asurex, and I, I had the opportunity, I have the opportunity to visit with a lot of other. Um, you know, CEOs and leaders of other organizations across the industry. Um, we don't have the the problem with um, this territorial uh, issue that often comes up. Um, it, you know, I, I I'll hear examples more times than I can count where uh, we have a, a producer in. California that's working on an account and contacts somebody in our Houston office and they'll team up and work together and not once does the question of well who's how much are you going to pay me you know what what's my commission split on this it, it we we just it, it it's a very strong team environment um second part of the question was what would I you know, what advice would I give if you were yeah. coming new in into my, the environment? My first day, if I was working yeah, for your first yeah. day. Yeah. Um, we, so we have been and continue to invest in a lot of resources. Um, you know, we, we've got an innovation division, a data division that um, we're doing, trying to do a lot of creative, uh, innovative things in those areas. Uh, what I encourage people that are coming into the organization to do is take advantage of these resources. Um, it, it, it can be frustrating um, when I hear that somebody feels like they're not um, getting what they need, and yet it's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my, my encouragement would be Get to understand, uh, raise your hand, be a sponge, learn about what we um, are offering and what is available and take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Mike, I can't thank you enough for spending the time with me today. I know it is uh, really valuable. And the final section we have for our conversations for the podcast is five rapid fire questions, which is kind of like a mix of personal and professional questions and you can answer them as short or as long as you'd like. Uh, but if you're ready, I can dive into those. Let's go. Okay. First one is going to be an interesting one. What is your favorite movie of all time? Field of dreams. Field of dreams. 
Okay. Build the dreams. Yep. Classic. If I was going to visit Oklahoma City, what is the best restaurant that you would recommend that I hit? Happens to be a customer of ours. It's a wonderful steak restaurant called Mahogany's Prime Steak. And uh, with two locations, one right downtown, one on the north end of town, either either one. But I, that's where I would take you. Mahogany Steak, noted. Favorite book, and it can be uh, professional or personal. Hmm. Favorite book. Uh well, the first one that comes to mind is Good to Great. Jim Collins. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a business, a, a, a professional book. But, um, yeah, I I go back to that, not necessarily read it, but I go back to that in my thinking often. Um, so much to learn from that book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of that one as well. Um, I know you are a big Oklahoma guy. And I know you mentioned a few sports teams as we were going through this. What, if you had to pick a team that you have the strongest allegiance to in Oklahoma, whether it's the Oklahoma city thunder, Oklahoma Sooners, maybe even, uh, Oklahoma Baptist university, who is your strongest allegiance, allegiance to in Oklahoma? Yeah, it's the Sooners. Sooners. Boomer, Boomer Sooner. Yeah. And the, the, a little interesting side note there um it in oklahoma there are two major universities the oklahoma oklahoma sooners and the oklahoma state cowboys and um very often there it's it's a very strong rivalry um you know when they play each other they call it bedlam (laughs) they call it the bedlam game cool and uh so um we we're pretty evenly split uh, here within our corporate office between OU fans and OSU fans, and so it can get pretty fiery at times around here. We we have a lot of fun with it, but yeah, if you were to ask the guy next door to me, he he's a big OSU guy, and so uh, we we get we yeah we have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, but I I am a diehard o, OU fan. Okay, okay, that's awesome. Last question. What are you most excited for in 2022? I, well, I, I'll give a better answer than this, but the, the first one that came to mind was um, tomorrow we hear what the Supreme Court decides on this OSHA uh, ETS um, situation with the vaccine mandates and all that. Uh-huh. Um, that. It's creating a lot of turmoil with how we will deal with that if the act stays in place, you know, because we have more than 100 employees and the act applies to employers with more than 100 employees. So mm-hmm. um, that that's right now, this very moment, what I'm most excited about. Um, very understandable. But, 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 you know, broader than that, um, I, I, you know, I, I touched on a little bit, but we have... Um, just within our own company, we have so much going on in the, in this digital, um, distribution, digital marketing area. Um, so many, um, initiatives and, and program opportunities that, um, are ready to, you know, at any moment could really, really take off. And so, I'm fired up about what we're getting ready to see in that area. Hey, Mike, I cannot be more glad that we got connected. You could not be a nicer guy. And if there's anything you ever need um, from a cyber insurance perspective or in general, if you're ever in the Bay Area, you'll have to let me know uh, because I would love to get together. And I will uh, definitely let you know if I am going to Oklahoma or Oklahoma City and um, would love to hit Mahogany's. I, I, I'll take you there, <laughs> oh. and then we'll then we'll walk across the street and go see a Thunder game. How's that? Oh, and you know what would even cap it off even further if it was Thunder Warriors. <laughs> that would be epic. Oh yeah, I, I am a Warriors fan. I I, I do like Steph. I'll uh-huh. tell you what, man. Well, he's having a great year. He's having a great year. He is. We're we're exciting. Clay's back now. 
We just need yeah. we just need our center Wiseman back. But I'm I'm excited for our potential this year too. And Steph is just I mean he's so fun to watch. Oh, he so. is. He's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, if you make it this way, please let me know. Yeah. I would love to. I'd love to treat you to dinner and a game yeah. or whatever we might do. Yeah. Absolutely, Mike. Well, thank you again. I will talk to you later. Please download, subscribe, and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. And feel free to reach out to me at pat at evolvedbrokerpodcast.com with any comments or suggestions for the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by First Insurance Funding. First is the leading premium finance company in insurance and is known throughout the industry for their personalized service and quote flexibility. If you're tired of sending quote requests for smaller premiums to multiple companies, not leaving enough time to negotiate larger opportunities, then choose First as your primary financing source and experience the first difference today. 